Welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast. Elijah Rising is an organization empowering women recovering from sexual exploitation. This episode is going to help you become more aware about the issue of sex trafficking and inspire you to take action. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Elijah Rising podcast. I'm your host, John LaChapelle. I'm back with our guest from the last episode. This is Trey, or Trey Nine. And uh, we're here with his friend, James. And so, I, you know what, Trey, why don't you introduce your friend? And yes. then I'm going to have James share a little bit more about himself. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, James Figueroa uh, has taught me a lot through experience. Uh, he's probably one of the first guys that um, coming from a very difficult childhood on through his adulthood years, through incarceration, through gangs, um, through pimping, through that street life, when he decided that he was going to surrender his life to the Lord, mm. that journey has been very difficult. Yeah. Um, but I was fortunate enough that he called me when he got out of his last jail sentence facing you know, tw- uh, 25 years to life and said, I'm ready to mm. go all in. And so I've been able to walk with James going on how many years is it now we're going on uh, 2016 yeah so we're we're going on about seven years amazing and uh by no means have we arrived Mm -hmm. but the reason i've learned so much from this man is because he's always been open to explain trey this is why i did what i did this is why and so that's been painful for me i've had to be on the opposite end of Mm -hmm. you know the things he's working through um but I've learned so much, so much so that I'm going to write a book with this guy. Oh, um, come on. Yeah. Tw- 20 things you need to know about discipling the streets. <laughs> mm, <laughs> um, uh, wow. We're, we're, we've been working on notes and stuff for it. But mm. James Figueroa, he's an he's a intelligent guy that came from the streets and is doing amazing thing with the, things with his life that when I encounter guys from where he's from, mm-hmm. I oftentimes will tell him, look, you need to talk to James because yeah. he's been there, done that, and he's doing it, mm-hmm. you know. And so very proud of him. He's a spiritual son to me. He's a mm-hmm. brother to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's part of my family. I always tell him, you stop in anytime. You yeah. come on through. Yeah. And uh, worked in ministry alongside me. And mm-hmm. um, we just, we're, we're, we're one. We're one in the faith. It's remarkable, yeah. man. All right, James, I want you to follow that up with your <laughs> own introduction. Just share with us. I know there's probably so much that you could share just about your journey, but maybe you can help us just understand some of the milestones from, you, you know, your adolescence and upbringing and just your journey through what you've experienced. Awesome. Um, so my name is uh, James Figueroa, formerly known as Stunner um, from the streets and, and the pimp, the lifestyle. Um, I grew up in this, I was born in St. Paul, Minnesota, mm. uh, two months old. Uh, my mother um, I was taken and put in CPS custody because she wasn't able to take care of me because of her mental health. Mm. Father, alcoholic, kind of same situation. Um, I had to basically go through orphanages mm. where you would go to a foster family, and if you acted up, then they would send you back to the orphanage. So sometimes you would have to just kind of line your chairs up and hope that a family would pick you. Wow. And then if you messed up, you knew you were going back. So. Um, it created this pattern of trying to win people's approval all my mm. life. Um, 
Growing up like that at seven years old, I was reunited with my brother and sister, mm. brought to Houston, Texas, where my uncle and his wife adopted us. Unfortunately, it was for um, not the right reasons, and we found out later on that it would become a big, big, not a great situation for mm. none of us. Mm. And so at 17, I was, I was um, started my jail stream of times incarcerated. My adopted mother put me in jail, uh, mm. said it was the best thing for me. Unfortunately, the next day, I thought that they would be there to support me in court, but they told him to lock him up. He doesn't deserve to be in the free. Mm. Um, from my biological mother to my adoptive mother and then the child of my mother who had multiple kids while I was incarcerated, uh, you could see a pattern of the females that were mm. in my life and where this idea from pimping, using women um, to your leverage would come from. Mm. Um, I spent 13 and a half years incarcerated. I learned every every trade, every jack of the trade you could think of, every game, every every aspect of everything illegal and bad mm. you learn in there. Mm. And it, it, it grew me into a person of, I wouldn't say a demon, but it was mm. I was the worst of, at my worst place. And mm. so... I spent years and years just in that mindset. Um, in 2014, hmm. November, I was on Beto unit, and I remember we had almost we had life flighted somebody. Life flighted incarcerated means that you have put somebody on an airplane to get emergency care. Hmm. So at that time, I knew that I wanted to make a change in my life, and I went through a program called Kairos. Mm. where on the second day a 65-year-old white man came to me and said, I know what your problem is. Mm. You've never been loved and you don't know what love is. Um, I kind of broke down. I said, no, nah, I'm a gangster. I'm Hugh Stone. You know, I'm thongle blast till the day I die. Mm. Yeah, ain't nothing going to change that. And uh, I kept bringing this prayer circle, this prayer chain around saying these many people, this many people are praying for you right now mm. while you're sitting in this cell. And um, I just broke down and gave my life to the Lord. Wow. And uh, it's been a journey. It's been mm -hmm. a journey ever since 2014. And uh, today I'm, I'm, um, I'm a worksite supervisor that has just um, transitioned into an employment coach at Career mm -hmm. and Recovery Resources downtown. Um, we work with the housing. So once they get housed or they get their housing assessment, I will work them with, on resumes, getting them on-the-job training. Mm -hmm. um, all the things that I didn't have, I get to provide for the ones That's that um, are coming out of the same situation. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm in my second semester of college, going for my bachelor's degree Come in on. psychology, um, applied science. So mm -hmm. a lot of great things happening in my life right now wow james mm. godly that's amazing <laughs> yeah. that's amazing yeah. man well congratulations and just we're so honored to have you on the episode yeah. man thank you for sharing that i i would love for you to break down for us you talked about um hugh stone like this is who i am this yeah. is this is where i'm from can you break down some of the mentality that a person has to have when they're living on the streets when they're running in the streets what what are the motivations what are the goals like What's going on in your brain as you're you're running in the streets? Yeah, for me it was um it, it goes back to my childhood, something mm -hmm. that I didn't have growing up. I wanted somebody's love. I wanted mm -hmm. their their caring. I wanted them to be down for me. And so my motivation was to get that from something that I never had as a child. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, so for me, being in the streets, being the hardest, most ruthless, flyest 
gangster out there, I wanted to be that. Yeah. I, I wanted to be that dude. When I started my the set I come from, uh, my affiliation comes from prison. Mm-hmm. Houston is is a is a prison uh, built form of brotherhood mm-hmm. that basically once you get out of jail, it's over. Yeah. I wasn't trying to hear that mm-hmm. because I was like, nah. I need y'all. Y'all are my family, but they're like, bro, it's over once you get out of jail. Mm. And I couldn't understand that concept because Mm. my loyalty was with them. And so for me, it was like my motivation, my goals was, man, they gave me something I never experienced. Mm -hmm. You know, my first time on a prison rec yard and the love they gave me, getting me hygiene, the smallest Mm. things that nobody even cared for me like that. And so um, coming out of jail, I was embraced by this strip club culture, mm. Hugh Stones. We ran these these strip clubs that we mm. was at because we were so deep. Yeah. And then I seen because I was tatted up and a lot of the tattoos, as you can see all over my head, my body, mm. um, I crave that attention. Mm. I crave that. And then once I realized that females crave that about me also that mm-hmm. I was this bodyguard. I was this dude that would protect them. Mm-hmm. I was that dude. When I walked out the club, they would see me. And so I kind of kind of draw drew the females mm-hmm. in. And then that's where my whole identity in using females, pimping, mm-hmm. um, selling her to my homeboys, uh mm-hmm. staying at their houses, you you know, utilizing a female for robberies, mm-hmm. all those things have conducted to pimping and then eventually just working back page with a female that knew the game farther than I did her. It came from a chain of her mother mm-hmm. and her grandma and everyone being in the prostitution, how it mm-hmm. generational is is yeah. is it's a lifestyle. And yeah. So that's that's kind of where the, the mentality comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the interesting thing about it is when he did make that turn, mm-hmm. a lot of that carries over into their walk with Christ because mm-hmm. you're still trying to learn, are you going to abandon me when I mess mm-hmm. up? Yeah. When I don't obey the Lord like you told me to? Yeah. I'm just going to go ghost because I already know what you're going to do. You're going to cast me out. And, mm-hmm. you know, that 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 says something to us as Christians, and yeah. the Bible talks about long suffering. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's a fruit we should carry. And so, why would I think that a guy who's been through all he's been through since mm-hmm. a baby, yeah. getting into CPS orphanages, is going to just come over here and obey the Lord mm-hmm. and do everything that the Bible says? No, this is a seven year journey, mm-hmm. you know, and he's come a long way. But I don't expect him to flip a switch and mm. now you just automatically have submitted, you know, your your every habit, your every, you know, step because you still have trust issues, you yeah. still have uh, a, a, um, an unhealthy way to receive love. Mm-hmm. You're thinking love is, okay, do this for me mm-hmm. and then I'm going to love you. Yeah. You went to orphanages or foster families and when you messed up, you're out onto the next trying to impress them. Mm-hmm. So I've seen James deal with that and yeah. break and but but begin to break those habits of thinking, I gotta impress you, Trey, mm-hmm. in order for you to love me. Yeah. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I was like, why is he yeah. acting like that? Yeah. Like and then when I hear the background, mm-hmm. so I would say to Christians, one thing you could learn from his story is like Know the person you're working with. Yeah. Know their past. Mm-hmm. Know their history, and take that into consideration. Yes. Count the costs because it's going to be a long journey. Mm-hmm. 
if I would have quit on him the minute he got mad at me and wouldn't talk bad about me, we wouldn't be friends today <laughs> yeah. Yeah. because he's done that. Mm. I've had to understand those things, and I've had to say, you know what? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. He's mad now, but i got to show him love anyway. Mm. i got to push through my feelings. Mm. i got to humble myself. Mm. And that happens repeatedly, not just James. A lot of guys coming from very hard backgrounds, Mm. we can't assume that they're just going to read your Bible. Let's pray. Let's sing some songs. Mm. Go to church on Sunday and Wednesday night Bible study, and it's all going to be well with you. It does not work like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And and I wanted to add to that. I'm glad he brought that up because my biggest thing with the body of Christ was I was so transparent that it hurt me because I would walk up to brothers and and say what I'm really dealing with, and they would just lay their hands on me and say I was the problem. Mm. So I ran to recovery because I felt like my brothers in Christ couldn't understand what I was going through. And when I stepped in an AA meeting, it was like I was in with a whole different group of of individuals, Mm. but we had one common thing Mm. that we were all transparent about where Mm. we was at, and Mm. that's what drew me. And it was anything else except that. And then, you know, coming from the prison and the streets, Mm -hmm. you have this idea that once it's made up in your mind, you believe it. Um, One thing I can say that this brother in the body has showed me was with Hugh Stone, there there was a price. Mm-hmm. There was a loyalty. As long as I did these things, as long as I fought, stayed down, mm-hmm. and kept it real, kept it 100, never never did nothing shady, they had my back. But if, mm-hmm. if I do something that they don't like or I violate one of these rules like mm-hmm. 6 and 9, or if I violate any mm-hmm. type of not wanting to fight or get out there, yeah. That loyalty's gone. Yeah. Everything I put in, the years I put in work mm. is gone. Yeah. The one thing about Christ is it ain't gone. Exactly. That loyalty, yes. them brothers right here, I, I, I've talked bad about the ministry. I talk bad about people that love me, and, and, and a lot of people don't understand mental health. And mm. when your mind just makes impulsive moves and you're sure. not thinking. And so, but the loyalty with Jesus mm-hmm. is that he never gives up. Amen. And when you call, mm-hmm. they're there. Yeah. And they don't hold none of that against you. You mm-hmm. don't have to fight. You don't have to be a gangster. You mm-hmm. don't have to try to prove your love to them. You just be you. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest concepts mm-hmm. I learned about the body. The difference between conditional love and unconditional. Right. Yeah. Here are the conditions to love, and right. here are the unconditional right. principles Absolutely. of love. Yeah. And so... What I love about this conversation, and, and I, it's it's historic for us on our podcast to have a conversation like this, is my goal, my desire is to see the labels that we place on people, pimp, prostitute, marginalized, whatever labels we put on people, that we would pull those off. And I, and I really believe you sharing your story is the pulling off of a label that people tried to put on you because your story has real validity to it. Your story is... I was rejected. I was left. I was abandoned. And you're absolutely right. If we if we choose to just say that those factors don't matter and you're presently this, then we miss out on the the main the main uh, initiative of why it even started. The the main reason why it started. And so uh, I want to give a little bit of a um 
a seed for our listeners. We're beginning to develop a museum right now, a museum of anti-trafficking. And one of the exhibits that we want to do is the making of, Mm -hmm. you know, the making of a pimp, the making of a prostitute, because these stories are so important. And I think we humanize an individual when we decide to look at their story and we decide to validate their experience and go, I'm sorry that that was your story. I'm sorry that that was your narrative. And so I just want to honor you. I think it's, it's a vulnerable thing to, to admit some of these things. And I think in a lot of ways, I'm identifying with your story. Um, last thing I want to say, there's, there's a book that I really ate up as a young man called um, The Seven Longings of the Human Heart. Uh, it's by one of my favorite teachers, Mike Bickle. But the the need for validation, the need to be uh, affirmed, the need to be pleasing to people. These are all things that God put in us, you know. And so the fact that we go looking for those things, it's not it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Yeah. He put it in us to desire those things. But everything that we're saying, you were met by a man, Jesus, who brought those right. things to you. Right. And so can you can you share with us a little bit more just the idea of of pimping. I think this is where a lot of people they get stuck because they go how can someone devalue another human life and put them in a position where they just become objects. Obviously there are many factors that have gone into that storyline, but can you help break down for people just some of the the thought processes, the mindsets of someone who is who's pimping? Yeah. Well, I think it, it, it all starts with hurt people hurt people. Mm. Uh, I was molested as a child. At uh five years old I was watching an adoptive uh, foster family have have uh, sexual intercourse mm. and even to this day, I ask myself, why would you be watching something like that at yeah, five? Yeah. Something tragic, traumatic must have happened mm. to you to make you like want that. And so later on in life, when I knew looks could attract mm-hmm. um, these females and knowing that ever since I was a child, it was objects. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, that's my foster mother. It was like, wow, it's, a, it's an object to mm. me. And then it became like just a game. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, I want people to understand it's, it's, it's not something you just wake up in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to go do this and mm-hmm. I'm going to take advantage of this person. Like I had a girl on me out of jail when I had nobody. Mm. Uh, she, she was you know, uh, uh, overweight, um, I had a lot of insecurities, mm. and I was able to utilize that to get out of jail. Mm. But in the midst of that, mm. she got saved. Oh, wow. And in the midst of that, that is a form of pimping because you are using somebody's value mm-hmm. to your advantage, mm-hmm. their insecurities, everything about them, and they, they're mm. feeding off it. Yeah. Uh, I remember early on when I would take this girl to a strip club and, mm. and to the tattoo shop and all the homeboys, would, and, and the power it gave me, yeah. right? The mm-hmm. power that, why did I need that power mm. from all these dudes coming up to me like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I was hurting. Mm. Because I knew. And then when I got saved, I really knew. Mm. Uh, So for me, I want people to understand it it takes a lot to get to that place. Just like um, anything in life, when you get to a dark, dark path, Mm -hmm. it's like you said, it's not the person, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's what led up to that to make that person so dark to Mm -hmm. be able to do that. I tell people, you just don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to use this girl to get money, mm-hmm. uh, and then 
when you're so far in it, it's so hard to backtrack. Yeah. I remember there were times I would call him. I'm in a hotel room with three prostitutes, and I'm like, hey, I'm fixing to go to church. Mm. And these prostitutes are like, what, bro? you in a room, and mm. we got these licks coming, and yeah. I couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. But I knew because I'd already been saved yeah. and backslid from Christ. So I think that if I could tell any listener that, you have to really identify like where that person came from mm. and what it took for that person to get to that dark, dark place in their life yeah. to do that. Man. Yeah, I've also seen that just the survival mode of the man who's pimping the woman yeah. is just, you know, when you're when you're in survival mode, you know, you don't want to go work that nine to five and make a little money mm-hmm. when you could do this fast life and make some money. That also contributes to it as well, right? Just this is the best way to get it. It's how I grew up. It's how I learned. And, and so you fall into that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I want to address it within even Christianity. Mm. And it's sad because, you know, I'm, I'm growing my hair out. I have tattoos everywhere. Mm. Had them on um, your face. I had them all over my face. Really? I, I I took them all off. I took them off my hands. Oh wow! Yeah, extreme um, laser burning. I was gonna say yeah, I can't even yeah. tell. It's, That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's they're burnt everywhere. Mm. Um, but one thing that he noticed, he was like, "Why y'all come to Christ, and this entourage of Christian females that are in church just Russia mm. like." You just seen the Elvis Presley movie. They just run. That's how they do us. Mm. And we're just sitting there like, bro, I'm coming to Christ. I'm trying yeah. to better my life. Mm-hmm. And, and now, and, and so naturally, survival mode hits and you're like, I I need some money. Yeah. And then you, you'll try to do it the right way. Try mm. to go to your leaders. And then if they're like, no, you don't need that. And you're still like, but I want it. Mm-hmm. Then you'll go to your social media in the inbox. And before you know it, you're doing the same thing you were doing in the yeah. streets. Yeah. And they're embracing it because they're just as broken as you are. Yeah. And so for me, I still deal with, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. how do you break out of this cycle? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, Fortunately for me, I was able to build a career and go to college, mm-hmm. and people embrace that, and they want to help you. And, and yeah. they, I always tell people, like, I'd rather sell my things than ask somebody for money that knowing that if I had it, you know. And so for me, it's like mm-hmm. I want to address that, and I want the body to know it's like, mm-hmm. man, give us a break. You know, yeah. when, when, when guys are coming in all tied up, mm-hmm. you know, we come from a bad background. Do not try to rush into a relationship with. I'm still single. Okay, you know I'm still yeah. single. I, yeah. I don't mess around. Like I don't, I don't because I always feel like if you're bleeding, why are you gonna bleed on somebody else? Mm, you're still and learning. so you're still learning how to be a man. Yeah. How to? Um, unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to live with him because of all our circumstances. But mm. I'm still learning from him how yeah. to be a father, how to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, a husband, you know, and those things they just don't teach you at church. Yeah, you just have to kind of well, the things you watch and people you see, and so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's important for those of you who will disciple the streets or you'll you'll work with gang members or pimps or whatever is to mm-hmm. know that like every time every time I got hip to someone was using me, mm-hmm. I knew it was the Lord stuff anyway, mm-hmm. so I didn't get as mad because I'm like. This belongs to the Lord. I got to be a steward over it. Yeah. And so I didn't take it personal. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful, the, the the way that he was brought up, he's only going to act out of what he knows. Mm-hmm. 
and so I, I had to I had to set a pattern in my mind that I can't take this personal. He's doing what he knows. Mm. Sanctification is a process, yeah. and I think some of the body feels like it should happen quicker than it does. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, it takes years. If he's going to undo 33 years, it's not going to happen in three years. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen in closer to decades. Mm. Um, he's made major strides, and he's admitted to mental health that mm. he struggles with. Mm. He's he's gotten to where he has a therapist that helps mm. him process stuff. So let's say he lashes out at me. He goes back to the therapist like, man, I lashed out at him over this. Mm-hmm. The therapist can say, well, here's what's going on in your brain. Mm-hmm. And then he learns from that, brings it back to me, and I'm like, oh, there's a term for that. Yeah. So I'm kind of learning psychology. Mm-hmm. I'm learning psychiatry. Mm. I'm not even qualified for all that stuff, but... But if you have a heart and you're willing, and yeah. the Holy Spirit lives in you, he, mm. will, he will abide in you and give you the, well, you already have the fruits of the Spirit. Mm. So really it's just about exercising long-suffering and, and, um, and asking God for wisdom. Because, mm-hmm. man, I can tell you, like, our relationship, there's so many times it could have been over. Yeah. But God would never let me turn him loose. Mm-hmm. And obviously, God wouldn't let him turn me loose. Mm-hmm. And as a result, we're on this podcast trying mm-hmm. to urge people, mm-hmm. like, the problem is not the flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. It's rulers and powers and, and heavenly right. places yeah. that are tormenting him just mm-hmm. like the girls. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that tripped me out the most was I've had several guys that have come from gangs because of the hip-hop element. I think they're drawn here. Yeah. When you look at church, they don't see guys with tattoos, hip-hop music, things mm-hmm. like that. So they tend to turn to our ministry. But they would have a lot of females, mm. a lot of them from the street, mm. in their inbox. And, of course, they would entertain that. They don't know anything else to do. It's like, females, y'all have been helping us out. We've mm-hmm. been in this struggle together. Mm-hmm. And and so I've had to deal with a lot of exercising patience on how their relationships with females go. Mm-hmm. And a lot of pastors, they don't, they can't tolerate that. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you did that? You can't be at our church. Mm-hmm. You can't serve in our church. Yeah. You can't do anything in ministry. Yeah. Sit down, shut up somewhere. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, I, I need him to go help me reach this gang member. Yeah. I realize he's got this thorn in his side. Mm-hmm. I realize he has this female issue. Mm. We'll get there. But in the meantime, we're still the body. Yeah. You're still my brother. Yeah. We're still family. Mm-hmm. Or was it conditional? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not supposed to be that way. Yeah. Um, so whether whether he whether he would end up in prison or whether he would end up with the girl and having and fornicating or whether he would in, wherever it was I, mm-hmm. I I've been in it for the long haul yeah because I can see him at fifty mm-hmm. not doing some of the things he did before what about at sixty mm-hmm. like I'm thinking way down the road rather than this this moment in time exactly and we got to have that kind of vision and patience mm-hmm. with people coming out of pimping or prostitution or trafficking or whatever we've got to be mm-hmm. we've got to be more mature as Christians absolutely and I'm not just saying mature and understand you know how to break down the hermeneutics in the Bible or yeah. knowing eschatology or I'm talking about we've got to mm. be more equipped and operating with the fruits of the spirit mm-hmm. that's been key for for this you know relationship here yeah I think one of the key things that the body of Christ will experience in the coming days is the temptation to be offended and stay offended mm. and so everything that you're talking about is is right on target with that how how are we going to choose to be long-suffering toward our, our brothers and our sisters 
in the face of wanting to be right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys are modeling something that's demonstrating really the fruit of Jesus's ministry that he, it, it says earlier in the gospels, um, he knew the hearts of men and he, he didn't entrust himself to everybody because he, he could perceive their hearts, but and yet he gave everything. He gave everything. And I think that, that display of, I know that you're not going to choose me, but I'm still giving everything. Or I know that you're going to forsake me, but I'm still choosing That's you. So I think good. I think you guys are modeling that. I think it needs to be said. It needs to be talked about. Yeah. Like, are we willing to go the extra mile? Yeah. Are we willing to <laughs> lend our coat? Are we are we willing? Yeah. And so, um, James, I want to know how how your ministry, the ministry that God's entrusted to you, um, how you share your story, your story impacts the community. How that intersects with with Trey's ministry? How do you guys? He's in the street. Obviously, there are more men who share stories like yours. How does that um, how does that intersect young men that are headed down the same road? Yeah, well, for me, um, as far as the platform of ministry, um, over the last three years, um, they had this thing called pimping your testimony. There's a lot of dynamics of why the platform. I had just, it got so big Mm. and I didn't know how to deal with it. So I kind of was like, I need to take a break. Mm. And so my ministry has basically been my job working with other alcoholics and Mm. addicts, people like myself, being in sober livings. Um, I work with the homeless, obviously. Mm. Uh, I can tell you how many times they've ministered to me Mm. um, and how I I still continue to share my story um, as far as the three circles. And the guys that do get mad at him, they do call me, reach out to me. And so we have a common, hey, this guy called, Mm. what should we do? And I'm more on the social services resource mm. side to where I can say I can get them in housing, I can get them here, mm. let's try this. Let's, I mean, I did my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that were outside the church's reach yeah. that, I, that I reached out to and it's helped me to progress to really come mm. back full-blown. And so this next season, we're just hoping and praying that, you know, God really opens some doors um, and utilizes everything I've learned into... Mm. Um, becoming more of this, uh, just being here with y'all has really mm-hmm. inspired me. Like there is a whole other side mm-hmm. of church and ministry that what I've seen, mm-hmm. and so I'm just grateful for what y'all do in the community. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, I, I want to point out that he he speaks in prisons. Mm-hmm. When we go to prisons, he yeah. shares his story to those guys, mm-hmm. gives them hope and inspires them. He's gone to juvenile facilities. Oh wow and speaks to the juvenile kids that are incarcerated. Mm. Um, James has done one-on-one with some of the kids that we serve, such as in Brookshire. We've had kids that wanted to be gang members. James has got in their face and said, I don't think you really want that. Mm -hmm. Um, When when I get a new guy um, that's coming from that lifestyle, I already know what's going to happen for the most part. And Mm -hmm. so I'll be like, James, we got another one. We got to do this together. Mm -hmm. James attacks it from one angle, me from the other, That's and we work together. And if that person isn't willing to deal with James while dealing with me, then I'm like, you ain't ready. Mm, and yeah. so the mental health services that he's aware of, that he goes through, he knows how to coach them through mm-hmm. to be able to get those services. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, James is, has shared his testimony publicly before executives, mm. you know. Um, in particular, we have an executive fundraiser that we do in March, 
And um, two years ago, he got before the, the executives and shared his story, mm. which inspired men to become goals coaches. Wow. Um, and, <laughs> you know, my own mm. kids, you know, if they ever join a gang, they're idiots mm. <laughs> because they've had gang members in the house saying, look, we're trying to be like you, man. We're trying, yeah. to, we're trying to have safety, security, yeah. love and belonging. So even mm. in my own personal walk and yeah. life, him being in my life benefits my own kids and my awesome. own household. Like he's done a lot more than he can voice. Yeah, right. But but yeah. uh, and then with and then you think about working amongst the homeless. Mm-hmm. Like that's his job today. Yeah, you know, a lot of people don't want to put a homeless person that maybe hadn't showered in a few days in mm-hmm. their car. Yeah, take them to. To, to where they need to go, yeah. he does that. That's, <laughs> That's how real it gets. Yeah. And and here's a guy that many people would have thrown out. Mm. You're you're an ex convict. You're, mm. you're a gang member. You're a pimp. Like you're the scum of the earth. Mm. God has turned him into mm. a man mm. that's changing people's lives. It's amazing. God, yeah. It's amazing. Amen. So Amen. I want to know what you would say to the 15 year old who has had a very similar journey and who's being uh, propositioned by the local gang, being propositioned by mm. the local pimps, 15, 16 years old. What's, what's, your, what's your point of contact with them? What do you say? I mean, um, if, if I could say anything to that 15 year old that's just lost and broken and feels like, there's no other way. Mm. I just first give them a hug mm. and tell them, I promise you, in the next 15, 20 years, you're going to be as lost, as broken as you were today. Mm. That all it does is prolong the process. Mm. It's your loves. Mm. And you got a family and you got people behind you and you don't need that. Um, there's so much pain and suffering there. So many nights I laid on my bed like, why? You know what I'm saying? Shanks under my pillow like, man, mm. I'm fixing to die behind this in, in a prison cell. Like, I don't care how gangster you are. I don't care how killer you are. Mm. Every one of us experienced, man, if I could just change the narrative, if yeah. I could just change. And so I tell that 15-year-old, this ain't what you want. Yeah. And I'm not telling that because you're not gangster and you're not a killer and you're not all those things you wish you want to be or you mm. could be or you are. Mm. But it's not worth it. Yeah, it's not worth it. Mm. Man, that's huge. Uh, you know, our our volunteers they go out every week onto the streets. Primarily, you know, the track is what it's known here in Houston. I won't say the street, but um, our volunteers they inter- they intersect pimps all the time. But as, especially as they're ministering to and loving on the women that are underneath them. And so what would you say to our volunteers who, like I said, weekly encounter a pimp, whether that's, you know, a subtle threat or some intimidation, like now that you're on this side, yeah. what would you say to encourage our volunteers and their work out on the street? I'm first a 65-year-old white man help help me find Jesus Amen. with some glasses <laughs> on and, and, and receding hairline. And <laughs> he, he, I promise you. You're making an impact. Mm. You're the exact opposite. If I could tell you one thing to do, I would just say, hey, can I give you a hug? Mm. Because I'm telling you, every pimp out there, every thug, every gangster, that's all we want. And I guarantee you, it's in a minute, 
since any of them dudes had a real hug mm. and just said, hey, man, I want you to know, man, somebody love y'all here in this real world. Yeah. And so for me, uh, I just want to thank y'all for the consistent work y'all do. Mm. It takes a lot to hit these tracks. I, I've been out to Foreign Park. I know how it is. Mm. Your heart's beating. You're like, man, what's he going to say? Uh, and so my, my very first thing is just, just give him something he's never experienced. And mm. a lot of them, you'll be surprised how fast we break down. Mm. A lot wow. of people used to tell me, man, you're just a big old teddy bear under all the tattoos. Mm. And that's the truth. We all are. Yeah. We have a, a story. One of our volunteers, he's like a father out on the track. Um, he, some, some uh, two pimps came up in an Escalade and they were just kind of doing the intimidating factor, just kind of over, overseeing, over watching what the volunteers were doing. And, uh, he was like, I feel prompted by the Lord to bring these two guys some cookies because they had some cookies that they were giving to these young women. And uh, he went over and gave these cookies to these these men. And one of them didn't want the cookie. And the other one said, you know, I'll take a cookie. And just just through that demonstration, these two men got out of the car and one of them's crying. The other one starts to cry. And this man just hugs them both, wraps them both up in their in his arms and just says, I love you. I don't care what you're doing tonight. I don't know where you've been, but I love you. Mm-hmm. And this volunteer is probably like six, six two, six three. He's just this papa on the street. And so I just want to affirm what you're saying. We've experienced just yeah. the simple demonstration yeah. of, yeah, I don't care where you've been. I love yeah. you. And so, man, I I really wanted this podcast again to just humanize the people that are that are out there on both ends of the spectrum. The women that are being pimped out the men that are doing the pimping the men that are buying that we all have this this gaping need for god and we'll search everywhere until we find something to try to fill that space and so i appreciate our listeners being able to just hear your journey and your story is there is there anything that you want to share i I feel like people need to hear the dreams that you have, like coming coming out of that life that was leading to death. Now that you're on a road that's leading to life, I know that you're in school. I know that you're you're working and you're influencing, impacting, but what's what's the dream of your heart, man? It's funny, I didn't recognize you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah so um, now that's awesome. I, I, I don't really um, ever think about that um, as far as dreams, I, I listen to a lot of Eric Thomas. Mm. Uh, he's real big on execute, execute. Um, so for me, it was it was always to motivate and inspire. And, and I remember when I first changed my life, I would see bits and pieces of testimonies, but mm. I wouldn't see somebody just like me and in, in, in the big lights and, and in the big stage. It's it's always mm. the Stephen Furtick's, but sure. I always I always. I never craved that spotlight, but I said, mm. if I could just share my story and be that impactful, mm-hmm. you know, it's not about the audience, it's not about any of that, but to see somebody like me make it, yeah. you know, and, and so sad in this world that just me going to work and going to school is not enough for people to, you know, you still have your doubters, but mm. um, obviously, you know, my biggest dream is I love watching him Mm -hmm. he inspires me Uh, obviously I don't have some of the resources and things and so I have to put the extra work in so somebody will entrust me one day Mm. with uh, possibly getting under the umbrella eyes on me and starting my sober living starting a a Mm. treatment center Mm -hmm. uh, different things like that so um, 
I'm I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just in the season of getting around people that really mm. can cast that vision in me and say, hey man, yeah. this is this is it. It's amazing. Um, yeah, definitely. Mm. It's, uh, just being here is 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 a big big eye opener. Mm. What I love about that, and you shared this earlier, is the humility of going, I'm not ready. Yeah. Like you said that earlier, like I was getting all this attention, I had this ministry going, but I recognize I'm not ready. I mean, that level of humility and sonship to go, let me just keep surrounding myself with fathers. Let me just keep working. Let me just keep investing. I mean, that's something, you're 33, is that what you said? No, I'm 40. Okay, I'm well, you yeah. look 33. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something that yeah. we we in this age demographic, this 30 to 45, we just we've been taught to be entitled. We've been taught to to just reach for what we want, but hearing the humility that's on you to just go, man, I'm I'm willing to put in the time. I'm willing to put in the effort until the Lord's ready to release me. I just want to honor you in that, man. That's huge. Oh, and man, thank you. Really, really special. Thanks, Trey, is there any, any last words you want to share just, just as we just, close? Just to encourage people, you know, that Jesus would have been amongst the least of these. You yes. know, Jesus would have been amongst, well, we know. I mean, we see him going out amongst the lepers, mm. which nobody wanted to touch. Yeah. Everybody was fearful mm. from the religious leaders, you know, down to the citizens. If you touched a leper, you could catch leprosy. If yeah. they touched your cloak, you, you they'd burn it, you know, mm. the Pharisees and Sadducees. And don't be like them, mm. you know. Um, be willing to lose some things. Mm-hmm. It's stuff. It's Everything I own is materialistic. It can be replaced. Yeah. Be willing to be willing to make that extra drive to take that guy to work mm-hmm. who decided to change his life. Be willing to refer them um, before the judge, giving mm-hmm. them a letter that says, "Hey, I will come alongside him." I'll mm-hmm. be be willing to um, help with gas so that they can get back and forth to see their kids like yeah. if you really want to see the change happen mm-hmm. you're going to have to get involved and I can't encourage enough people to stop playing church yeah. and start being a disciple mm-hmm. it's not enough to just say I'm a Christian mm-hmm. you got to be a disciple and if you want to know what that's like follow Jesus mm-hmm. he was constantly Walking amongst those who were low in spirit, mm-hmm. the outcasts, the mm. rejects. Yeah. And every time he encountered those who were, quote unquote, the closest to God, mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. It yeah. was usually rebuke, questioning, anger, flipping tables at mm. one point. Yeah. Um, so go all in with the James. Amen. Go all in with you know whoever it is that, that God has put before you. Don't just mm. half step. Amen. Amen. Any any final words as we close? No, I just want to say thank y'all mm. for um, having me. And this is, what y'all do is amazing. Mm. Thank, thank all you, your brother. volunteers. Thank everybody that does it. Mm. Uh, truly amazing experience today. Thank you, brother. Man. So we hope that you have been encouraged by this episode. Again, you know, a lot of you are donators. A lot of you are uh, followers. You're volunteers with this ministry. And it is never an us and them mentality. It is never 
only about the women. Our desire is to see every man, every woman, and every child encounter the transformative power of the gospel. And so we're deeply encouraged and humbled that these two men have been with us, these men who are who are doing the work with us. And again, we invite you into the work with us. The, the charge that Trey just gave us, the inspirational message that James has shared with us, we hope that you will, in your heart, remove the labels that our society has put on people and choose to see the value and the identity that God has placed in each and every one of us. And so thank you guys for watching. We hope you'll share this podcast and be encouraged by what God is doing in and among us. Until next time, we'll see you guys soon. Thank you for joining us today for this episode. If you were inspired by this content today, please share, rate, and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation at elijahrising.org donate. Your support helps us continue the vital mission to combat sex trafficking. Until next time.